Well, good morning and a massive welcome to Online Church this morning. It's great to have you with us. Now, we are in the middle of a national lockdown, so I want to welcome you back to my home office where I'm uh, trying to stay fairly quiet because homeschooling is actually going on with my wife and kids next door. Now, we, like you, are riding the highs and lows of the season. And I would just say that I would want to urge you to reach out if we can support you in any way at this stage. And uh, if you need any support, we're really happy to help in any way that we possibly can. But I do believe there's nothing better for you to do this morning than to pause and to connect with God with us. Now, those of you who are regularly part of the King's Arms will know that as a church, we're not an institution, we're not an organisation, but we're a family. And you're part of it. And we're people who are eager to listen to God and to respond to him. So I just invite you as we start the morning together to listen to Simon as he introduces how we believe that God is speaking to us at the moment about going deeper. As we step into this year, even though many of us have such mixed emotions, we love that God is still speaking. Phil Wilthy brought a fantastic word to us as a church. I'd love you to hear a snapshot of it. Yeah, it was back in March in the first lockdown where God began to speak to me about this being like a cave season for us as the church. And caves in the Bible are always places of hiding, but also preparation, places of lockdown, but also places of advance. Uh, whether it was the cave of Obadiah, where he fed the prophets in secret and he prepared a new prophetic movement to emerge in Israel. Uh, whether it's the Dullam's cave with young David's where he gathered uh, an army around him, those who are in trouble, those who are in debt, and they came out of that cave season, a mighty company of people. Or whether it was at Lazarus's cave, where literally he went in dead and he came out resurrected by Jesus himself. And I feel God is saying to us that we are gonna emerge from our cave season, firstly, with a fresh prophetic voice to carry. Secondly, we're gonna be a mighty army fashioned by God. And thirdly, we're gonna carry new resurrection authority in the time to come. We might be locked down, but we are not locked out. So as we respond to that, as we're in this cave time, many of us are locked in the same routines or even the same rooms. I've spent more hours in this room than I care to think about. In this time of preparation and transformation, we believe that God is calling us deeper, deeper into Him, deeper into community, deeper into the harvest. Our vision is to raise an army of disciples who naturally multiply to make other disciples and who bring transformation to the world around, to their workplaces, to their, their communities, to their streets, into their families. I believe this is part of God's plan. This time is part of His plan to make us those kind of people as we go deeper. So are we ready to go deeper into God this year? Are we thirsty for more of Him? There's so many ways that we can express that. Are you willing to go deeper into prayer, finding new ways to pray or new people to pray with? Maybe it's time to take a different approach to reading the Bible. Maybe try out Raw Church to learn about Discovery Bible Study or pick up some of the books on our recommended reading list. Check out kingsarms.org forward slash deeper to find more resources. But all the resources in the world won't actually help us without that heart cry. God, I want to go deeper with you. How's your thirst for him? Secondly, we feel God calling us deeper into community. The Lord is calling us to go deeper, to build healthier relationships, to make sure that we've got that unity of the spirit that goes deeper and can withstand and actually grow stronger under the kind of pressure that we're under. Maybe it's making extra time to connect with friends or speak to acquaintances who are perhaps not friends at the moment, but who could be friends. Could you connect into a life group or a missional community or join up with a raw church or make face-to-face -face meeting a priority when they reopen? 
Maybe we need to deal with heart issues that fight against community. Check out the teaching we've done in previous years on forgiveness and judgment, such timely teaching for this season. Again, check out the resources online on our deeper page. And finally, we felt God calling us deeper into the harvest. When Jesus looked at the crowds of people in his day, he saw helpless, lost people like a harvest, finally ready to be brought to know him as their shepherd. What does it look like for us then to follow Jesus deeper into the harvest? deeper into the place of lostness around us. Maybe it starts with asking the Lord to give you a heart for the lost people around you, praying for people every day. Is it time to practice sharing your story or sharing the gospel of the kingdom in an easy to memorize way like the three circles? Maybe it's getting some training on living out your faith in the workplace or using this time to learn how to lead a discovery Bible study with those who are far from Jesus or even inviting someone onto an online alpha. There's more information, there's more ideas for each part of our deeper vision, kingsarms.org forward slash deeper. And we'd love to hear from you. There's a place there to sign up. Let us know one thing that God's calling you to go deeper in this year. And also you can stay in touch as we outwork this vision in the year. Thanks so much for listening. Let's become that community of disciple makers ready to multiply our lives into others as we go deeper. Fantastic. Well, listen, we're also a people who worship and we're people who are finding God even in the chaos. And he's always been someone who's come into the mess. Even Jesus himself was born in a stable in the middle of a whole heap of mess. And so we know that he can be worthy of praise no matter what our circumstances look like. And so I just want to read a few verses if the cat comes off the Bible from Psalm 21 and then we're going to worship together. This is what we're going to do this morning, guys. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The Lord Sorry, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Guys, he's so worthy of worship. He's so worthy of praise. So let's enjoy these songs together and put him first place in our lives. You alone are holy, only you are holy. 
is free and you came to bring us liberty my sin and my rejection met your blood and my acceptance now I'm alive to bring you
Your blood has covered every sin. Your grace empowers me to end. My pain and my oppression met your blood and my acceptance. Now I'm alive to bring you praise.
Father, I do want to thank you, Lord, that you're present and active even right with us now. I want to thank you, God, that we can lift our eyes to you and know that it's you who's going to help us in every circumstance, in every situation. And I want to thank you, God, that you can be found in every kind of mess, in every situation. So we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you joined us partway through worship, it's great to have you with us. And I especially want to thank those people who are continuing to support the church financially through these times, through their tithes and their offerings. And if you'd like to give to the work of the church, you can always do that by visiting our website, kingsarms.org, and then go to slash donate. Now, over the last few weeks in our online meetings, we've wanted to pray particularly for groups of people. And uh, so we've prayed for those in education, uh, teachers and the like. We've prayed for the NHS and we've prayed for people in business. Well, today, as I was thinking um, about who we could pray for, my eldest child actually came into our bedroom. And he, on his face was genuine sincerity and concern. He simply said this. He said, Mum, for some reason, the washing is being really slow. I put my blue jumper in the wash at the beginning of lockdown, and it's not even back in my drawer yet. Now, I've got a huge amount of time and respect for every parent who right now is trying to juggle what home life looks like in the midst of trying to homeschool and look after children. So I thought it might be a good opportunity to pray for those parents who are homeschooling right now. 
So if there are kids watching right now, I want you to grab mom or grab dad, and uh, I want you to just lay a hand on their shoulder, okay? And we're gonna pray for them. And uh, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're, you just know someone who is homeschooling right now. And let me tell you, as someone who is kind of walking through this right now, you know, people are needing to have God's support through what they're uh, trying to do at home. And so can we pray for a moment? Would that be all right? And make this an active thing. You can pray as well, or you can just say amen as you listen to my prayer. But yeah, Father, in the midst of everything that's going on right now, I do want to pray for your hand of favour to be on every parent and every uh, carer who is looking to support children in their education right now. And more than anything, God, I want you to be active and present in those homes. I want to pray, Lord, that you would give supernatural peace and supernatural patience to parents who are uh, wrestling and struggling, but at the same time, God, that you would give kids a sense of, um, a real sense of fun and joy and a sense of unity in every single household in such a way that people would grow in wisdom and stature just as the Lord did. At the same time, God, that people would would know your presence and, and there would be a sense of just family growing in a really healthy way. So God, we know we're not gonna do everything perfectly, but we also know that we want to give ourselves to you and see you glorified through all. So help us and help them in every single way, I ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people sit in their homes. Amen. All right, fantastic. Well, listen, we've recently started a new series, Walking Through the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5. And so what we want to do is tune in in our hearts and our minds as Simon opens up God's word to us today. Well, there are some great English words, aren't there? And there is no better English word, I think, than oxymoron. Oxymoron is just such a great word. What's an oxymoron? It's a, an oxymoron is a, a group of words that seem to be in conflicting, that seem to be contradictory, that seem to be conflicting in some way. Um, like crash landing, that's a great oxymoron. You know, not a great thing to do, but that's a great oxymoron. Deafening silence is a great oxymoron unbiased opinion i love it when people say that in my unbiased opinion like well if it's your opinion then it's definitely biased everyone's opinion is biased it's another great oxymoron so anyone who loves studying english at uh, school is already thinking of all the great oxymorons are just so enjoying this thinking they're probably not going to listen to a word else i say they're just going to be thinking of all the great oxymorons they can think of Everyone else, uh, not so much. But there is a point because we are studying at the moment the, the Beatitudes, the, uh, uh, a series of uh, teachings of Jesus that come from the Sermon on the Mount, some of the most famous Je- uh, teachings that Jesus uh, ever gave. And um, on the surface of it, they are filled with oxymorons. They're filled with seemingly contradictory statements. And yet when you dig in, you start to see the depth and the beauty and the richness of this uh, new community that Jesus is calling the church to be. If you've ever felt like the world is not working right, then the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes are for you. If you've ever felt uh, uh, that your own life was spiraling out of control, then the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, is definitely for you. If you ever felt the despair at how the world is and the state of the environment and climate change and all these things, then the, the Beatitudes are definitely for you. And so even though we're going to focus just on one verse today, as we are in each of these weeks, we're going to just read the whole section just to give us context. And this is what it says. Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up onto the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As I said, we're going to drill just into one verse, verse four. But there's two things we've got to understand before we, before we tackle this. The first is this. We've got to understand as we approach the Beatitudes, they're written in a style called inclusio, which, which means that uh, the last Beatitude and the first Beatitude end with the same promise, which is for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. That the promise is, uh, the print promise, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, fits like a bookend around the whole uh, section. And what it means is that each of these characteristics uh, is something that we all see in the people who God is calling into his new kingdom. All of the Beatitudes apply to all of God's people. It's not eight separate groups of people, you know, some who are meek and others who are merciful and others who've got to endure persecution. There are eight qualities of the same group. It's an inclusio. They all apply to all the people of God. All of the people of God are called to be meek and merciful and poor in spirit and pure in heart and mourning and hungry and peacemakers and persecuted. And each one of us is called to that who calls ourselves a follower of Jesus. That's the first thing we've got to understand. The, the, the second thing is this, this strange word blessed. We just don't use this word blessed in any real uh, context in, in English today, apart from in a kind of patronizing way when, uh, you know, we, we see a, a, someone, you know, a guy with his shirt on inside out who doesn't know. And it's, oh, bless him. I've actually been there. Or we see, you know, a young mum with baby puke down her back. I've actually been there as well. But, uh, <laughs> oh, bless her. Oh, bless him. Or, you know, we see, you know, a young teenager who's accidentally come to church with his slippers on instead of his shoes. I've actually done that as well. But bless him you know each one of those uh, things gives this kind of patronizing thing of oh bless oh bless him it's that's the only time we really use this uh, context of bless and actually some English translations translate the word blessed as happy but it's a mistake because happiness is so subjective it comes and it goes and and these people might not always be happy Jesus isn't saying the people of the kingdom the people of God are, are always happy he's not saying that at all no blessed is something deeper than that. It goes beyond circumstantial happiness. It's a state of well-being in relationship to God. It speaks of the favor of God. It speaks of the, the eternal uh, comfort and favor and pleasure that God has over these people. Blessed are these people, Jesus is saying. So let's dive into that, that kind of backdrop. Let's dive into this verse. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, there's no greater oxymoron is that than that, is there? Blessed, blessed are those who mourn. I mean, Jesus, what on earth are you talking about? How can you be blessed when you're in the state of mourning? And we're going to look briefly at three questions. What type of mourning is Jesus talking about? How are we called to mourn? And how do we receive the promised comfort that he talks about in this verse? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Comforted. What type of mourning is he talking about? How are we called to mourn and how do we receive the promised comfort? So the first question, what type of mourning is Jesus comforting? Uh, what, kind of, what type of mourning is Jesus talking about? Here's a great question. How do, we, how, do we, how do we answer that? How do we get to that? Well, what we have to do really is look broader through uh, the life of Jesus. Because remember, these blessings, this, these, uh, these um, attributes apply to all God's people. So what you would expect is that when Jesus sees the type of mourning that he's talking about, he will comment on it. And that's exactly what we do see. So in Luke 7, 
There's a story where Jesus is dining with a man called Simon, great name, not such a great guy, but great name. And uh, as he's dining with him, this uh, 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 lady comes in and she starts to, to uh, weep and to wash Jesus's feet with her tears and to kiss his feet and to wipe them with, uh, with her hair. This incredible display of mourning. And, and even though others are shocked and are horrified that Jesus even lets this woman touch him, Jesus says actually to her, your sins are forgiven. So the first type of mourning that Jesus commends is mourning over personal sin. The sense of deep connection with our sinfulness and mourning over it. Not flipping it off or, or, or just thinking, oh, well, whatever. Not being blasé, but the deep mourning over the state of our souls, the, the ugliness that we find on the inside. Jesus commends that and actually says it results in something. Your sins are forgiven. The second type of mourning we see Jesus looking at is the mourning over corporate sin in Luke 19. There's a story of Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. He's weeping because they'd rejected him and he weeps over the sin of that city. So there's not just the mourning of personal sin. There's the mourning over corporate sin. And Jesus himself is the one who models this. He is the one who grieves, who mourns over the state of the city and the state of their sin. And then in John 11, we've got another type of mourning where Jesus comes to a friend, his friend Lazarus's tomb. And it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And he wept even though he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And we know that he knew that. So why did he weep? Well, he weeps when he sees the grieving of his dear friends, Mary and Martha. And he sees the grieving of the people around over Lazarus's death. He weeps over the state of the world when it comes to our relationship with death. And then lastly, there's a story of when Jesus' disciples are, are, are challenged over why they're not fasting. And Jesus says this in Matthew 9, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. Jesus compares himself as the bridegroom here and us, the, his people, his disciples as the bride. And that's how the church is often described in the Bible. We are the bride, the bride of Christ, and he is the bridegroom. And so there's these different types of mourning that Jesus is talking about. Mourning over personal sin, mourning over corporate sin, mourning over death and the impact of death, and then mourning over our separation from Jesus. He's saying one day we will mourn over our separation because we're so longing for him. What do these four types of mourning have in common? What are they all, how are they all linked together? Well, ultimately, this is the reality. All mourning is rooted in sin and the impact of sin. It's either our own sin or the sin of others or the sin who play, that plagues mankind. Romans 5 says this, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. Sin and death have infected us all. They've infected and impacted us all. And every cause of mourning, think about it. Think when you last mourned and it wasn't connected to some form of sin. It's always connected with sin, either your sin, somebody else's sin, or the, just the state of the world because of sin. Remember, remember, death came into the world because of sin. Even the mourning for Jesus, that sense of separation, actually is a result of sin, because it says right at the beginning of the book, we had uh, a con mankind had connection and union and we walked with God, and yet we were separated because of our sin. It's all a result of, result of sin. So whether I'm mourning the, the death of a loved one or an unkind word or an unkind email or a betrayal of my own, or my own fallenness, I'm ultimately always mourning over sin. 
And here's the point. These beatitudes are, are, in, are not individual blessings over some who are meek and some who are merciful and, oh, I'll bless those who are mourning as well. No, what, is, what these beatitudes are about, they're about a state of being for God's people. We are called to be a mourning people, a people who mourn. We're called to be those kind of people, a people who mourn over the state of our planet, the state of our own souls. We're called to mourn because of the state and the damage and the devastation of sin. Have you, have you mourned? Have you connected deeply? Have you connected deeply with the ravages of sin on your own life? Or do you just flip it out, flip it off? Oh, it's just a it's little thing. It's no, it's no big deal. Have you connected deeply with the damage of sin onto our planet? The impact, have you mourned it? Because it's, it's easy to mourn things on the surface, the loss of this, the loss of that. Even the losses we're experiencing during COVID, it can be easy to, to, to mourn on the surface and never really connect it down to the depth. The real root of the problem is the sin in the world and the sin in our lives. The sin of rebellion against God and we're all living with the impact from you to me to the planet to the animals to the planet itself it's all grieving the Bible says groaning because of the state of this planet so how are we called to mourn and interestingly that's the second question how are we called to mourn and the New Testament uses nine Greek words for mourning and when Jesus said, bless those who mourn, he uses the strongest possible word out of those nine words. It's a word that speaks of a gut-wrenching cry. Like in a couple of funerals I've been at, been at, not every funeral, but there's a couple I've been at which stick in my memory because of the depth of the mourning, usually when someone who was younger was lost. The, like an animal crying in pain, that was the level of the mourning. And the word is also uh, what's called a present participle. Is it, it means it's a continuing word. Jesus is talking here about not just a once-off mourning, perhaps when we recognize our sin for the first time and then, okay, we're fine now. But actually, it's a deep, continual mourning. There's a continuous state. And that's how really we keep soft and humble hearts. When you've really mourned over the lies that you've told and the lust that you've had and the greed that you've lived in and the envy that stained your soul, the laziness, the fear that you've allowed to get a grip of you, the people you've hurt and neglected, the, the hatred and resentment you've allowed to fester on the inside, the things that you should have done that you haven't done and the things that you shouldn't have done when you, that you have. When you reflect on all of that, and then add in the sins of humanity against one another and the sins against the planet and the impact of that suffering. We're called to be people who live in a state of mourning. We should be like Isaiah the prophet, who when he is confronted with an image of vision of the holy God, this is what it says in Isaiah 6, Woe is me, for I am lost, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. He mourned over his own sin. He mourned over the sin of the people around him. David in Psalm 119 says this, tears stream down my, from my eyes because people do not keep your law. And that's how we should mourn. And that's how we should allow the damage in the world around us because of sin to get into our souls. And, and it worries me, honestly, for those who say that they're followers of Jesus and yet haven't had that sense of mourning. Because if you haven't, then you'll just end up self-justifying or minimizing 
And you'll even start to wonder, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I mean, after all, if sin's not that big, de- big a deal, why did Jesus die? What was the big deal about the whole thing? You'll perhaps even become angry with others and blame them for what really you should be taking responsibility for yourself. You'll even blame God. You'll do anything but mourn your part of this mess. And more than that, you'll miss out on the blessing. Because there's a blessing for those who mourn, as we'll come on to. But this is what one commentator wrote. Sadly, the church often does not mourn and therefore does not seek out to be the agents of reformation. Instead of mourning over sin, we're either apathetic towards it where we become spiritually numb and it doesn't bother us. Or worse, we laugh at sin like the world and sometimes even enjoy it. We watch it on TV and listen to it on our radio. Satan has a wise strategy. He knows that if he can tempt us to laugh at sin, soon it will lead us to acceptance and then it will lead to participation. Do you get it? If we don't truly live as mourners, sin will become a laughable thing to us and sooner or later we'll be joining in and we will lose our power to become agents of change. We've got to mourn. That's the second question. Then the third question is this, how does God then come for us? You might be thinking, Simon, this is like so depressing. I was depressed already, you know, with all this going on. This is so depressing. But you see, Jesus didn't say depressed are those who mourn. He said blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. In the same way that we should live in a perpetual state of mourning, we also live in a perpetual state of comfort. In fact, even more than that, we live in a a perpetual state of rejoicing. That's what it says in the Bible, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord. It says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord. Well, how is it? Well, when we fully understood the depth of the depravity in our souls and in the souls of those around us, when we finally got that and we've mourned it, then we can truly rejoice because what's happened? Jesus has come. Jesus has come to bring his comfort and his salvation and his hope. And when we've fully understood the depth of our lostness, then we can fully appreciate and celebrate the joy of the fact that he has come and he has come to save us. And that's where all worship comes from, isn't it? How can we worship on a cold and blustery Sunday morning when we're stuck in our homes? How can we celebrate and worship when we look at the state of the world and even look in the state of our own souls? Because Jesus has come and blessed are those who mourn. Because why? Because they will be comforted. This is what Isaiah 40 says. Is Isaiah, the same prophet who grieved over the sin of himself and the sin of his nation and had the vision of God and said, what? Woe is me. Later, God gives him another vision. And this is what he says. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare has ended. Her sin is pardoned. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. The rough places are plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
It's in this place of mourning that God's comfort is revealed. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, he's the one who's called the comforter, comes to comfort us and to lift us up and to call us and to say, God's coming to your wilderness. He's coming to find you. He's coming and his name is Jesus and he has come for you. He is the only saviour who can save you. And that's how joy and mourning can coexist. Because as we pour out mourning, God pours out his comfort and we rejoice because he saved us. And so we have this kind of joy filled moments of mourning and joy linked together. We lament, we cry, but also we as we grieve, we also are comforted because we know he has come. The Saviour has come. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 says, The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may be able to comfort those who experience any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts mourners through forgiving their sins and he comforts us with a future hope. Revelation 21 says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will not exist anymore or mourning or crying or pain for the former things have ceased to exist. So are you mourning, but mourning in faith that the comforter has come? Some, as they've been listening today, you've realized you've been light on sin. You've blamed others. You've blamed God. You've never really taken responsibility. You've never really mourned. You thought you had to defend, but instead you just have to admit. You just have to come to him and say, God, I'm broken because of my sin. And even in that place, instead of self-justifying, just open before him in that place, you can be comforted. You can find Jesus as your saviour today. And others, you've not expected or received that comfort of God. You're stuck in mourning, but in a different way. Your heart's been closed. And God will come to you today and say, in whatever you're mourning from, let me comfort you. Let me encourage you. Let Let me strengthen you. Let me give you my joy. Because yes, mourning comes for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Jesus has come and we carry that comfort into a sin-stained, broken world. Thanks so much for listening. All right, let's take a minute to pray in response to Simon's message, can we? Father, I thank you that it's true. Lord, that you are close to those who mourn. And I want to pray in this season, Lord, for every person who is mourning and that every single one of us would mourn well would come to you and would find refuge in your arms. I pray, God, that we would find comfort. And not just that we would find comfort in you, but we'd also be those who comfort others just as you comfort us. I want to thank you, God, that it's your desire to pour out your blessing through every situation and every circumstance. I want to thank you, God, that it's a promise for us that we would know your blessing and know your favour and you've made it to us every single way. Now, I just recognise, guys, that there might be some people watching today who actually don't know Jesus personally, who, who don't know what it is to have their sins forgiven and to be adopted into God's family. And listen, I would just encourage you, if that's you, one, I would encourage you to, to press the button on your screen right now, which is going to connect you with someone who could pray with you and introduce you to God himself. But I would also just ask you personally to think about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, on the, uh, put your trust in the finished work of the cross, and to know that your sins can be forgiven, and to know that you're secure as an adopted child of God. 
may you in particular know God's comfort and know God's blessing today in Jesus name thank you so much for being with us we so appreciate you we're so glad that you're part of our family and I bless you just now have a fantastic week and we'll see you again soon